0: Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Really glad to have everyone here. I have a couple of uh, uh, reports on what we've been doing with the 10% that we set aside for outreach and missions. First of all, I got an email from pastor Stanley from Uganda and he sent me pictures of this storage shed that we sent the money for back in February. So we have a few pictures now. This is what it looks like. And it's in the refugee camp in Northern Uganda. And it's with the, the dreamland children there. So they now have this new storage shed. It's all finished and looks really, really nice. So thank you guys for giving and being uh, generous because that, paid for that. And then also this week, I got an email from Westside Elementary School from the the counselor there, Marlette. And she said, would you be able to help us out a little bit? We have a couple of families that are traveling to Indianapolis because they have a child that has cancer. One of them has cancer and they're getting treatments down there and uh, they just need gas cards. So we bought them 10, $50 gas cards and handed those over to Marlette and so she's handing those out and helping out uh, those families and uh, and Vineyard's name. And more importantly, Jesus's name is being glorified as a result. So thank you guys for that. And then uh, the third thing is we got an email this week from Church Community Services, and they were looking for a new pallet jack. Their pallet jack was bent and the other one was broken. And so Ron Betzer and I went over there and we bought a pallet jack and delivered it this week. And there's Michael. Uh, He was super excited. I've never seen a man so excited about a pallet jack, but he was, (laughs) (laughs) he was really excited. Wasn't he Ron? I mean, he had to do pictures and it's just the whole thing. So uh, anyway, so thank you guys. So that's part of what we're doing is is uh, supporting the organizations around us that are doing good and your funds uh, help us to make that happen. So thanks for your generosity. All right, so this week, we are continuing our series called Tough Topics, Living at Peace Without Compromising Scripture. And I do want to do a plug for next week, by the way. Next week is Mother's Day, and we are going to celebrate Mother's Day. Just so you all know, uh, it's going to be a great time. Make sure you uh, bring your moms, invite the ladies in your life. We're actually calling it, Woman's Fest. I think that's what we decided. It's going to be a Woman's Fest. And so um, there'll be special treats, uh, prayer, and then an applicable message. Uh, it's going to be one of our tough topic series. We're going to talk about women in leadership within the church, and uh, it'll be a great, wonderful topic. So I encourage you guys to come next week. But our, our key verse for this message series is Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I love that scripture because the goal is to live at peace, but it acknowledges the fact that it may not be possible. <laughs> so, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace. So, there's an obligation in our hearts and our minds to try to live at peace with everyone. But again, just acknowledging it, it may not be possible with everyone. But our goal is to try to find peace during this series without compromising the Bible, without compromising Scripture. So last week in our series introduction, we had three points. We can live at peace without compromising Scripture when we lead with love. We need to start out every conversation with love. That's super important. We need to stick to the Bible, stick to Scripture, not our opinion or popular opinion. We need to go back to the Word of God. And then we need to focus on doing good. I believe that we will have fewer arguments if we spend our time doing good rather than looking at social media. You know, I mean, we'll just be too tired, right? If we're raking our neighbor's yard, you know, or doing something like that, we just don't have time to get into some of these silly arguments. So focus on doing what is good. If you missed last week, you can listen online on our website or subscribe to our podcast, Lighthouse uh, lighthousevineyard.church. But today's topic is a controversial topic. Uh, throughout the news media, throughout our culture, throughout our nation, and actually throughout our world, we're going to be talking about abortion today. It goes back to the landmark case known as Roe v. Wade. Many of us, probably all of us have heard that. Probably not all of us have actually looked it up and understood what it was about. So I took some time this week and read a little bit of research on this case. So let me read what I found and we'll get us all on the same page. In June 1969, 21-year-old Norma McCorvey, who was known in court as Jane Roe, so she was the Roe in Roe v. Wade, discovered she was pregnant with her third child. She returned to Dallas, Texas, where friends advised her to assert falsely that she had been raped in order to obtain a legal abortion. She had the understanding that Texas law allowed abortion in cases of rape or incest. However, this scheme failed because there was no police report documenting the alleged rape. In any case, the Texas statute allowed abortion only for the purpose of saving the life of the mother. She attempted attempted to obtain an illegal abortion, but found that the unauthorized facility had been closed down by the police. So she filed a lawsuit against the state of Texas. And then in 1973, four years later, Roe v. Wade ruled unconstitutional, the state law that banned abortions except to save the life of the mother. The court ruled that the states were forbidden from outlawing or regulating any aspect of abortion performed during the first trimester of pregnancy. They could only enact abortion regulations reasonably related to maternal health in the second and third trimesters and could enact abortion laws protecting the life of the fetus only in the third trimester. Even then, an exception had to be made to protect the life of the mother. Later, the court ruled that abortion must be permitted for any reason a woman chooses until the child becomes viable. Viable meaning being able to live outside the womb. After viability, an abortion must still be permitted if an abortion doctor deems the abortion necessary to protect a woman's health. This was defined by the court in another ruling, a woman's health, issued the same day as all factors physical, emotional, psychological, familial, and the woman's age relevant to the well-being of the patient. In this way, the court created a right to abort a child at any time, even past the point of viability, for emotional reasons. Here's what the state laws looked like before Roe v. Wade back in 1973. Okay, so red meant that abortion was illegal. Purple meant that it was legal in case of rape. You know, it was just one or two of those. Uh, Blue was legal in case of danger to mother's health. Green meant that it was legal in case of danger to mother's health, rape or incest, or likely a damaged baby. And then yellow meant legal upon request. After Roe v. Wade, essentially the country went yellow. That's what happened. So if you understand the impact of that ruling, Today, every state has at least one abortion clinic. That's my understanding. And the impact has been since 1973, over 60 million abortions. That's what's happened in our country since 1973. Now let's talk about some common abortion procedures. First of all, up to seven to nine weeks, the RU486 abortion pill is an option. It causes the mother to miscarriage. Uh, and it's extremely painful, but that's what the, the means of abortion typically is in the first seven to nine weeks. Then from six to 16 weeks, it's known as suction aspiration. This is a pretty common abortion procedure. A suction tube is inserted into the uterus and the baby is sucked out in pieces. That's what happens. And then beyond 16 weeks, they can't do that. So 16 to 39 weeks, It's called dilation and evacuation or a D&E procedure. You might've heard that. This particularly gruesome surgical technique involves crushing, dismemberment and removal of a fetal body from a woman's uterus. Mere weeks before or even after the fetus reaches a developmental age of potential viability outside the mother. In some, in some cases, especially when the fetus is past the stage of viability The abortion may involve administration of a lethal injection into the fetal heart in utero to ensure that the fetus is not pulled out alive or with the ability to survive. And we've heard recently a lot of this uh, in the news, born alive legislation, because there have been babies that have still come out alive and they have killed the babies and they feel like they have the right to kill the baby even after the baby is born alive. So there's two sides to this topic, pro-choice and pro-life. So let's look at the pro-choice argument. They say that seven in 10 Americans believe that abortion should be legal. So they believe that they're representing a majority of the people in our country today. They believe that women have a moral right to decide what to do with their bodies, that nobody can tell them what to do. They believe in the right to abortion that the right to abortion is vital for gender equality. They also believe that the right to abortion is vital for individual women to achieve their full potential. And that by banning abortions, it puts women at risk by forcing them to use illegal abortionists. So that's the, the pro-choice argument. <clears throat> Pro-life's argument is that life begins at conception, not at birth. That the growing baby is not a blob of cells but an actual person that the unborn child has individual rights or liberties liberties as well as the mother. And they say that 61% of Americans say abortion should be illegal after the fetal heartbeat has begun, which occurs in the first month of pregnancy, according to their research. And they also said that only six to 17% of Americans believe abortion should be legal at any time in all circumstances. So you can kind of see there are two very different opinions uh, depending on which camp you're in. So now let's talk about abortion in the church, because historically the church has been very much a pro-life movement been part of the pro-life movement, but there is a shift happening in our culture today. A recent survey of women who have had an abortion found that more than one in three, 36%, of the women were attending a christian church one or more times a month at the time of their first abortion but saying 36% of the women who had an abortion this is back in 2015 were attending a church so this isn't outside the church this is happening it inside the church and then i read a recent article about the churches in tennessee that These churches were openly supporting abortion. This is the title. It says, Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, and United Church of Christ pastors signed letter supporting abortion. The article went on to say, A group of Tennessee faith leaders and activists publicly declared their support for abortion on demand in a letter urging pro-life Governor Bill Lee to oppose heartbeat legislation. Heartbeat legislation says that abortion is illegal after the baby's heartbeat can be detected. Fox 17 in Nashville reports this month, more than 150 religious leaders signed the letter calling for abortions to be kept legal and easily accessible in Tennessee. So the church is torn on this topic. It's representing both sides. So there are a lot of opinions on this topic. There are a lot of emotions as well. And I would say there's a lot of confusion on this topic. So we need to know what the Bible says, right? We need to know what the Bible says about this topic. We also need to know how to try to live at peace with people who disagree with what the Bible says. So that's my goal for today. My goal for today is to go over a few scriptures that I think pertain to this topic. And then also to discuss how we can live at peace with those who oppose what the scriptures might say. So today's message title is called Abortion, Life versus Choice. Simple title, very complex topic. But let me pray and then I'll give you a few points to fill in on your handout. So God, we come to you. And I know that this topic is near and dear to your heart, God. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me today. We invite your Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts, Lord, and that you would be in our presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. Three scriptural positions regarding abortion. First of all, number one, a fetus is a person known and loved by God. A fetus is a person known and loved by God. Two scriptures, Psalms 139, 13 through 16 says, God knows us when we're in the womb. And Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet for the nation. God knows us while we are in the womb. He knits us together. He designs us at conception. And then he has a plan for us. Just think about that. God is ordaining our days while we're growing in the uterus. Just interesting to think about. As a mom and dad, you know, maybe excited about the birth, but God is too, because he he knows everything about this child and he has plans for this child while the baby is still in the womb. In the gospel of Luke, the Bible talks about when the angel came and told Zachariah that he was going to have a baby, he was actually going to be John the Baptist. It says in Luke 1, 14 through 15, he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Which I thought that was interesting that a baby in the womb can be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before it's born. And then uh, the story goes on that Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, and Mary is now pregnant with Jesus at the same time. And Elizabeth Elizabeth says in Luke 1, 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. John the Baptist has a Holy Spirit and he knows when Jesus, the Savior of the world, (laughs) comes into the room and the baby starts getting all excited inside of Elizabeth. An unborn baby is not a fetus person. Known, designed, and loved by God. At about 22 days after conception, the child's heart begins to circulate its own blood. And his heartbeat can be detected on an ultrasound. 22 days, just three weeks. And at six weeks, the child's eyes and eyelids, nose, mouth, and tongue have formed. Six weeks in. And then six to seven weeks along, electrical brain activity can be detected. By the end of the eighth week, the child has developed all of his or her organs and bodily structures. And then by 10 weeks, the child begins to move. Here's an image of what a 12-week-old baby looks like in the womb. An unborn baby is a person inside the womb or outside the womb, it makes no difference. So that's the first position from scripture. Second position is that terminating a pregnancy is ending a life. Terminating a pregnancy is ending a life. And ending an innocent person's life is murder. The Bible is pretty clear on this. Exodus 23, 7 says, Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty. And I would say that a baby in utero is pretty innocent. Part of the Ten Commandments. Number six says Exodus in Exodus twenty thirteen, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. And I normally don't like to read my own social media posts or quotes, but I I posted something back in July of last year and I want to read it because I think it applies to today. <clears throat> it was titled Silent Screams. This past week, I was reflecting on, on how upset people get when someone is bullied and it is caught on video. The example of someone getting their hat taken off and, a, and Pepsi thrown at them or when someone was yelled at because they were wearing a certain t-shirt. Our culture is so anti-bullying that anyone seen as a bully is hated immediately. Even if the president of a company is seen as a bully, the the stocks will go down for that company because we're hypersensitive to this topic of bullying. As I was thinking about this, I believe it was God who brought to my mind the fact that thousands of unborn babies are being bullied every day and very little is heard about it. It is the worst kind of bullying. Their opportunity to live is taken away from them. Why isn't this going viral? Why aren't people flooding the streets in protest? Why can't we pass a law to prevent it? Maybe. Just maybe it's because the babies can't speak for themselves. Maybe it's because videos aren't being produced and placed on social media. Maybe it's because their screams and pain can't be heard inside the womb. We will spend millions of dollars to save the life of one baby born premature. We do this because life is precious. The entire world was fixated on 12 boys and their coach who were stranded in a cave needing to be rescued. This is because the human life is invaluable. I just don't understand why we can't stop the killing of babies who are on the wrong side of the womb. Let there be no question that Jesus is pro-life and so am I abortion is, is taking a life. According to scripture, it's a sin. But point number three, all sin is forgivable. And I think we need to understand this, guys. We need to understand this. Before, before we start pointing fingers. First John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're all sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Abortion is not the unforgivable sin. And we need to remember that. We need to lead with love and we need to have compassion for people on this topic. Because there's a lot of misinformation and confusion on this topic. Anyone seen this movie? It's out unplanned. Anyone seen that yet? Just just a handful. Uh, It's a new movie. just came out about abortion. It's the true story about Abby Johnson. All right. So the movie actually walks us through her two abortions. She eventually becomes the director of Planned Parenthood, of a clinic, a Planned Parenthood clinic. And she truly believed that abortion was just removing a blob of cells. That's what she believed. Until one day she was, asked to come in and assist with an actual abortion. She hadn't done that before. And she watched in horror on the ultrasound as a baby was dismembered and sucked out of the mother's womb. She saw it with her own eyes for the first time, and it broke her. And she just collapsed, left the procedure room in tears and quit. She couldn't support this anymore because the truth had finally been revealed to her and she started to fight against abortion, which is this movie is the outcome of that. There are many people who support abortion or have had an abortion and they don't know the reality of it. So if you have had an abortion or if you have encouraged someone to have an abortion, just remember that all sin is forgivable, and it's time to forgive ourselves, if that's us. And if you know someone who's had an abortion, we need to stop judging and forgive them as well. And if we know someone who stands for abortion rights, it's important that we lead with love, lead with love. So when we're talking to someone who is pro-choice, first of all, understand that they're probably not pro-death. I mean, they're, they're pro-choice. They, they really believe that they are standing for the rights of a mother because they know that a young, unwed mother is going to have a lot of difficulties in their life. So they're really not for death. They are trying to represent the mother. That's, that's most of the time, that's their intentions. We also need to then state that the biblical perspective of the fetus is not that it's a blob of cells, but that it's a person. An unborn baby is a person known and loved by God. And then we need to compassionately state our beliefs that a woman's right to choose shouldn't override a baby's right to live. We have to lead with love, have to lead with love. So here's some action steps. You can fill this in on your hand up. First of all, pray. All right, pray. One of the my favorite lines in the movie was that when people stood outside of a clinic to pray, there was a known impact to the abortion clinic that the no-show rate would go up when people would stay outside and pray. Not if they stood outside and protested and called people murderers, that kind of thing. I'm not talking about that. But when people pray the no-show rate would go up and all the Planned Parenthood clinics knew this and it went as high as 75% no-show. So I think prayer is a big deal. Now I, I'm not aware of any abortion clinics in our region, like right here, they're, they're down in West Lafayette. They're down in Indianapolis, but not in our town, but we can be praying, you know, just pray. for for people, people who are going through it, that people would not make that decision, pay for people in our region. Second thing we can do is to vote. Pro-life candidates do make a difference in the legislation. There's a lot of laws that have put up barriers to abortion. Uh, Wait times, the fact that, that mothers would have to actually Look Or have an option to look at an ultrasound to see what they're doing before they would have an abortion. I was talking to someone yesterday who had an unwed, they were an unwed mother, had an unplanned pregnancy many, many years ago. And um, she said, if there had been an abortion clinic, if it had been available, I probably would have had it at that time, but didn't thankfully, and had a wonderful son as a result. Um, So making it more difficult can prolong the decision and, and maybe save a life. So voting is important. Number three is to be compassionate. Guys, we need to be compassionate. There's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of misinformation. A lot of good intentions as well. Next one is to consider watching the movie Unplanned. And I say, consider it, it's rated R and it is graphic and it is difficult to watch. I'll just tell you that. I'm glad that we watched it. It's much like the Passion of the Christ, which I watched one time and it's so hard to watch, but I'm glad I did the one time. So consider it. I'm not saying everyone should, but consider watching that movie. Um, then support the local Right to Life in Reda, Reason Enough to Act. So we actually uh, cut a check to um, the local Right to Life uh, this week to pay for um, those Cinch sack bags that they're going to be handing out at the fair, because I think the number one thing that needs to happen is information needs to go out. So we, if you see those at the fair this year, Lighthouse paid for those, and reason enough to act as a local um, agency um, nonprofit that is helping people who would probably have no other choice, but to have an abortion, uh, they're helping them financially. Last year, we, we actually bought a bunch of baby clothes and took them to that uh, organization and they were handing them out to young mothers. So con- consider supporting those local agencies. And then the last one is to support foster parents. Support foster parents there are many mothers who decide to keep their babies, but they're not in any shape to actually take care of this baby. And they end up losing these babies to child protective services. And so these children end up in foster care. Well, that's one of the things that we can do as a church is we can, if we know some foster parents support them and who knows, there may be somebody in the church today who is being called to become a foster parent. But that, I think it's one of the things we need to be willing to do is help those babies out whose moms did decide to keep them, even when they weren't ready to, to care for them. So support foster parents. I'm going to invite Krista to come up here for our closing song, but I want to read you a story um, about one of my heroes. Her name is Dana Skatton. Krista's okay. making her way into the auditorium now. There she is. Yep. Come on up, Christy. We're ready for you. Um, let me tell you about Dana Scadden. Okay. Dana, 17 year old last year, found out that she was pregnant. And she was a Christian. So she decided to keep the baby, decided to keep the baby. But months later, she found out that she had an inoperable tumor. And so she was faced with the choice Do I start chemo um, and endanger the baby or do I delay it or do I have an abortion? What is, what are those choices? Well, she decided to keep the baby and delay the cancer treatment. And so in January, Dana had Aries. That's Aries. Um, She was born in January, early. They had her early and she started her cancer treatments. But last week on Monday, April 22nd, Dana died from cancer. She died. She gave up her life for this unplanned baby. Dana is one of my spiritual heroes. I hope to get to meet her in heaven one day. She lived out the scripture. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. So in a culture that is throwing unplanned pregnancies and unborn babies aside for convenience, Dana kept her and it cost her her life. That's what Jesus would do. I'm convinced of it. That's what Jesus did do. He gave up his life for us. And as followers of Christ, I believe that we also need to be willing to lay down our lives for others. Let's stand. So God, we come to you and we thank you Each one of us here today, God, we thank you that our mothers did not choose abortion. God, we are thankful for that. That we have life today. And Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would sear it in our hearts, what is right and wrong in this case, in this situation, that we would lead with love, that we would have compassion, but that we would stick to scripture, Father. And I pray, God, I pray, God, that we can make a difference in our friends' lives, in our family's lives, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplace. Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.